And here we go. The Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I'm laughing because I just pressed record a few minutes ago, but my cat was just going insane. So I had to stop and start all over again. So here I am, Eddie Cohn, host of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thrilled you're here. A lot to talk about, a lot on my mind. We'll go talk about creativity, masterclass, ignoring the minutia of social media. We may talk about Omicron and how the news media wants to keep the world freaked out, anxious, reactionary as long as possible. If it's not clear by now, then I don't know when it will be clear. But I have been sort of in this odd, precarious place. And I finished a record. It came out in October. I have a book. It, it's kind of done. It should be done. It should come out early next year. But I found myself in this place of, now what? What, what do I create next? And so I've been, you know, writing some songs and coming up with some new ideas, demoing, demoing new ideas, writing a little bit in a journal, trying to almost inspire the muse, inspire the spark, try and figure out a way to bring that spark back. And it's interesting, but I don't know. Do you think you can force it? Does it naturally sort of unfold? That's, that's the thing about the pandemic in you know, 2020. Up until then, I wasn't really sure if and when I was going to make a new record, but then I just felt called to write. And it's interesting to sort of be in this place of kind of trick the creative juices to start creating again. Can that be done? Or do you sort of just have to wait? And I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I just got master class. And I watched David Sedaris's or Sedaris's uh, class a couple years ago and, and found it to be pretty helpful. But it sort of gets to the point or gets to a place where can creativity be taught? Do you just have to do it? You know, we're sort of in this place now where we're constantly consuming. But at what point as a creator do you have to stop consuming and just start doing? I was listening to Malcolm Gladwell. I've never been a fan of his writing. Um, but he's clearly popular. He has a podcast. So I thought, you know, I'm going to listen to his masterclass. But after about five, 10 minutes, I was, I was saying to myself, I can't, I can't listen to this guy. And then I was listening to David Lynch. Same thing. I, I just, their brains are in a, in, a, in, a, in a space where I don't know if they're nat- naturally good teachers. And so then I started to think, masterclass has gotten this incredible roster of quote-unquote teachers. But are talented people, are talented writers, are they good teachers? And I think Masterclass is sort of really in this interesting sphere where they are somehow, and I don't know it's through just financial backing, but they're somehow getting these amazing quote-unquote professors or teachers to quote-unquote teach people to you know, teach their trade or, or teach some tricks. And can their talent be taught? 
And number two, I was thinking, just because somebody is really, you know, quote unquote successful doesn't necessarily make them a good teacher. And, you know, a great teacher in, in middle school or high school may be a better teacher than Malcolm Gladwell or Steve Martin or uh, David Lynch, but people won't pay any attention to them because they don't have the quote-unquote name. And it's, it's really sort of interesting and something that I, I struggle with. It's, it's like I struggle with. It's like success. H- how did somebody become successful? Is it through their talent? Or is it through luck, through timing, through hard work? And and I don't know. I think it gets to a point where you got to stop consuming. You got to stop listening to this quote-unquote teacher taking this master class, taking this Udemy class or Udemy. I, I don't know how you pronounce that company. But at some point, you need to just start writing and experiencing and living, and and creating. And, and I'm in the midst of making a new song right now. And I was watching the St. Vincent uh, Masterclass. And, you know, she had a few good suggestions, but part of me was like, why is she teaching a masterclass? She's not really even teaching, quote unquote, anything. And it's sort of like, she's very talented, but... I don't know if she's really teaching anything. Can creativity be taught? Is it something that you just have to do on your own and sort of slave away through it? I'm in the midst, as I said, of making this song right now. And I've got some cool lyrics. Let me, I'm going to read them to you. It's called In a Haze. You should hate how the fools lie. Every morning another dies. They pointed a pistol at your head last night. Lately lies fall from the top down. In my mind, we've been ripped off. In their heart, they see nothing but dollar signs. In a haze, they start a fire. Information overdrive. In a haze, they're pissed off. So that's sort of like the first verse in in chorus. Um, I think those lyrics are great. But then when I sing them, you know, I'm not sure if they, they fit in the song. I'm not sure if melodically um, they're good enough. You know, it's, it's strange. But, and these are things that can't be taught. You know, my, my ear hears things, and I think I have a musical instinct where something feels right and something doesn't. I think the world is sort of this mystery. Creativity is this mystery. And... Some things can't be taught. You know, you can go to music school and you can take every master class, but if you don't have this innate instinctual um, talent or um, you can't even explain it. You know, I could take master classes from the best singers, from Mariah Carey, Christina Aguilera, Chris Cornell, if he was still alive. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to be a great singer. You need to be careful not to be in this this sort of rabbit hole, this circular um, sphere that goes nowhere where all you're doing is consuming and listening to other people talk about creativity, but you're actually not being creative yourself.
I'm going to play a clip from the Joe Rogan show. I didn't really enjoy this episode, but it's episode 1742. I turn it off or I turn it off after about 45 minutes. But again, sort of before I play the clip, you know, his episodes are three hours. And Netflix has thousands of shows and Hulu has thousands of shows. No wonder uh, the creative quality, I believe, is, is not as good as it used to be. People are, everybody's consuming. Everybody's consuming, consuming, consuming. But are you doing? Are you creating? Are you being an active member of society? Or are you just consuming all day? And it's one thing if you're consuming because you had a long day. Or, you know, sometimes I certainly consume things to possibly inspire me to look at the world a different way or inspire me to create. But I just think you need to be so disciplined and uber aware of why you're consuming. So let me play this clip from Joe. Um, he talks a little bit about creativity. That's how many people describe it that way. Yeah, that we're the universe experiencing ourselves. Um, if you wanted to be really pragmatic, you would say that all of these things, whether it's love or creativity or the des- desire for success and to be, have your work appreciated, what all those things really do is they encourage camaraderie, which encourages cooperation, which gets more work done. Creativity encourages innovation, which creates better and newer things. Right. And the desire to be appreciated for one's work makes one work extra hard to achieve these goals. But ultimately, what are all these goals? Like, what's the end result? The end result is better things. Right. Constant innovation, better thing. I mean, I've talked about this many times before because I'm obsessed with it, but for the people that have heard this, please forgive me. I am obsessed with the concept that human beings are essentially uh, like a caterpillar that's creating a cocoon and that out of this, this technological butterfly will emerge and we don't even realize why we're doing it. The caterpillar is not consciously aware, hey, it's time to make the cocoon. The human being stuck in traffic, working a nine to five, uh, working for Apple every day, is not really thinking, hey, I am a part of this thing that will one day give birth to artificial intelligence and to sentient beings that are made out of carbon and silicon and, you know, they're created in the laboratory rather than in a womb. But I think that's what we're doing. It's funny. I, I, I really resonate what he's talking about, but I also feel like that is happening less and less more people are in the world of consumption. Less people are in the world of creation. And even as a creator, how many creators are creating, but they're distracted They're distracted at the same time? How many people are creating, but they're interrupted by a notification? This is a critical period where if we're not careful, we are going to be replaced. We are going to be... Um, roboticized, lobotomized. Our brains are going to be lobotomized by the influx of tech and computers and cell phones and smartphones and social media. I mean, maybe it's already happened. Before I get into um, Omicron and just some thoughts about the news media, I also wanted to just um, tell you a brief story about Adele. I'm not a big Adele fan. Um, she just put out a record about, I don't know, a month ago. 
And the thing about Adele that I, I'm, I'm probably the reason why I'm not a fan of hers, although she clearly has a great voice, everything she does sounds the same. And I was just listening to a podcast about U2, and they were talking about Octung Baby. And it was interesting because the interview was asking Bono and The Edge, you know, what, what did it take to come up with that record? And, and they were sort of in this interesting time in their lives where they had just put out Joshua Tree, or that was their previous record. And then grunge was coming about. And they, they obviously weren't a grunge band, but it had been about four or five years, and they were sort of in this place of, what do we do next? And, and it's, again, I'm, I'm in the same precarious spot also. And, and one could think that it's, you know, artists complaining about their process can sound very um, whiny. It is, a, it is a bizarre place to sort of be in the spot of what's next. And I think that's why I always appreciated you 2 because they clearly wanted to come up with a new sound every record. And Adele, on the other hand, to me, is just sort of producing the same kind of sound over and over and over again. Now, the, now the reason why I brought Adele up was she actually did take a stance against Spotify a, a couple weeks ago. I didn't even know this, but if you listen to an album on Spotify, they automatically shuffle it. And Adele, you know, it had been six years since she put out a record, and she... I don't know if she tweeted to Spotify or sent them an email, but she said, you know, artists spend a lot of time creating records and deciding on the order of songs. And for you to just automatically shuffle them is actually disrespectful to the artist. And she, she has a great point. You know, I created this record and I spent six years, it's been, it had been six years since I put out an album. And there's a reason why song one is song one, followed by two, three, four. I put a lot of thought into the order of these songs. And Spotify just wanted everything to be randomized. And this is sort of the overall theme of my show. Spotify, in this case, is just diminishing and trivializing human beings' thoughts, the creative process, the artist's thoughts and process. They're just like, let's just make the algorithm shuffle everything. It's sort of like consuming a show on Netflix in any order. It's, it's the same parallel. It's the same idea. And again, you need to be so careful. How is technology impacting how you... Um, absorb information. Is it just an algorithm or is Spotify just, you know, shuffling everything? Is the newsfeed giving you information in a particular way? Are you searching or are you just relying on the algorithm? And I really believe, and this sort of transfers over to the news media, I really believe the news media and the algorithms of tech are taking advantage of people's um, laziness. They don't want people to think for themselves. They just want people to consume. They just want people to assume that the news media, or in this case, Spotify, that they have your best interests. But what they're really doing is they're creating people that don't think objectively or think for themselves. 
So when this new variant, Omicron, I think that's how you say it, came out a week ago, I was following the story a little bit. And it feels to me like Dr. Fauci and the news media don't ever want this pandemic to end. And I had just been listening to a podcast with Barry Weiss a couple weeks ago, and she had a guest on, and he was saying that we have reached the endemic. We have reached the point where there is no longer a pandemic. It's like we have the vaccine, 60-70% of people have taken it, more people are going to take it. It's fair to say this pandemic is over. But I don't think Joe Biden, I don't think the news media, I don't think Dr. Fauci, I don't think any of them want it to end. They want people to stay in a state of hysteria. So we have this new variant that comes out of South Africa about a week ago. And it's amazing to me how this story unfolds because there's literally one case in South Africa. And the doctor who discovers it, she says that the um, symptoms are mild. And then we shut things down. We don't allow travel from South Africa. New York City with five cases just shut the city down. They start using this word, stop the quote-unquote spread. And we have five cases. And this sort of hysteria and then, we, you know, the president has a news conference talking about all these things they're going to be doing to, to stop the spread of this new variant. And then Dr. Fauci's coming on television and he's talking about it and using these scary words and we have to be cautious and we have to be careful. It's clear to me they want our society to be in a state of panic, anxiety at all times. They want people to wear masks outside for the rest of their life. They want people to be getting booster shots every six months. They don't want people to be relaxed. We don't know anything about this new variant, and they are already shutting things down, not allowing flights. Fauci is back on television talking about all the precautionary measures that should be taken. It's a circus. It's complete absurdity. It is complete manipulative absurdity. And it has worked. I still, to this day, see lots of people driving with their mask on, walking outside, riding their bike with their mask on. It is sheer insanity. And what's amazing to me is, if we have this vaccine that works well, then how is it that more people died in 2021 than in 2020? Because, again, the timing is so interesting. About 10 days ago, two weeks ago, we have a new study that comes out that says more people died in 2021 than in 2020. And then a few days after that, wouldn't you know it, we have a new variant that the news media and Fauci are talking about. What is going on here? Do you, do you sense any malfeasance happening? Is this all about just good health? Or is this to keep people scared, frightened, anxious, reminding people to get their booster? What's really going on here? Something nefarious is going on. They want you to be scared out of your mind. They want you to wear a mask everywhere you go. And of course, Governor Newsom, he extended the lockdown here in California. California. 
because of this quote-unquote new variant where there's like 10 cases in the state. It's a circus. It's a show. It's all a show. Have you seen the movie Wag the Dog? Is it possible to think that these leaders, these news media leaders, these politicians are just pulling the strings and treating us like puppets? Is it possible to imagine that that's what's going on at this point, two years into this quote-unquote pandemic? I want to play you this clip from the Ben Shapiro show. He talks a little bit about our reaction to Omicron. So far as I'm aware, there's no data whatsoever that it is more de- that is more deadly or that you're more likely to go to the hospital if you get it than if you get Delta or if you get the original variant. Okay, and yet everybody is going nuts about this, which leads me to suggest that I think the entire world has gone crazy and people are now mentally and emotionally fragile and something in the, in the human psyche has cracked over the amount of media attention and governmental attention that has been placed on a disease that at this point, thanks to therapeutics, is rather treatable and thanks to vaccines, is not nearly as deadly as we thought it was going to be at the beginning. Remember, at the beginning, they were saying that this thing was going to kill 3 4% of the people who got it. Unless you're over the age of 75 and have a pre-existing condition, it ain't. <laughs> it's funny, but one thing I've noticed as I listen to a lot of podcasts is how important the sound of somebody's voice is. I can't listen to Ben Shapiro for more than you know five, 10 minutes because his voice is, is grating to my ears. But he does bring up a very valid point. And that is, what is going on here? This is, this is crazy. It's completely insane. How are you allowing the news media slash the media to affect your reaction to our society? I mean, the, the virus is never going to go away. And the new variants are never going to go away. So is the news media just going to keep reporting new variants that come out and then Fauci and friends are going to use those variants to scare the living daylights out of people? I mean, I knew when CNN and some of these news media sites started um, showing um, on their screens this, this rolling number of people dying from quote-unquote covid Once they started doing that, I knew it was going to affect our culture forever. Just a reminder, 1.3 million people die every year across the globe from car crashes. Let's say the news media started running that number on the screen. Let's say they started showing grisly videos and photos of people dying in car crashes. How do you think that would affect our culture? We have more people dying in cars, and yet car manufacturers keep building bigger screens in the dash or on the dash to distract people. Is, is the news media doing anything about that? No, of course not. There is something about this virus that has caused insane reactions. And, the, and this, this benefits the news media. It benefits pharmaceutical companies to keep this story going for as long as possible. This is from Lisa Booth. If you are under 70, you have a 99.95% survival rate against COVID. The threat diminishes the younger you get. But let's just engage in gross human rights abuses against people who don't want to get vaccinated against a virus that is not a threat to their life. Here's another tweet. 
Moderna and Pfizer are COVID-19 companies. They need COVID-19 to remain profitable. Without COVID-19, Moderna is down to zero products to sell. Pfizer has, reorient, Pfizer has reoriented its entire corporation behind COVID-19. If you take away this quote-unquote plague, they have no purpose left. So last point here before I let you go. And again, I, I can't help but we're sort of living in this world of wag the dog. And did you ever see the movie The Player from Robert Altman? Great movie. Uh, by the way, another movie that I just saw a couple of days ago called Pig, I really recommend. It's with Nicolas Cage. And it's this really amazing love story between Nicolas Cage and a pig. I, I thought it was fantastic. So... Definitely uh, recommend Wag the Dog, The Player, and Pig. Great movies. Um, Also watching this this one, King Richard, right now uh, on HBO Max. Uh, Will Smith is great. I I am a little um, conflicted, though, because they're they're adding this charm factor to the Williams' father. And from what I've read in the past, uh, their father was not this charming of a man. So Will Smith... Uh, really sort of ups the charm factor in in the character. But I guess this is, to my point, this is why I'm bringing this up. How stupid does the news media or the media think we are? I think they think that we're really stupid. I think they just sort of display these stories, these, these characters, these news feeds, and I think they assume that people actually buy it. Do you? It's, it's amazing, this Alec Baldwin story. You know, it's, it's gone on for like three, four weeks. And, and again, if, if this didn't happen to Alec Baldwin, and if it happened to just sort of a, a normal, quote-unquote, civil human being, th- they would be in jail or on trial. And this has been going on now for like three, four weeks, and we still have no idea what, what happened. And I guess that's another point that I think to myself, do we really ever know what's going on? I mean, everybody's putting up facades. Everybody's sharing sort of their angle. Is anybody sharing the truth? So Alec Baldwin is on this show with uh, George Stephanopoulos. I, I couldn't help but ask myself, so this is a professionally trained actor. Is he just acting and, and laying a bunch of bullshit, and we're all supposed to be buying it. And then why is he doing this? Like, And here's the thing. This is the first time I knew that he didn't, quote-unquote, pull a trigger. Let, listen to this, and then I'll let you go. I mean, even now, I find it hard to believe that. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem real to me. You haven't said much in public since that tragic accident. Why speak out now? I think the big question, and the one you must have asked yourself a thousand times, how could this have happened? You've described it as a one in a trillion shot, and the gun was in your hand. How do you come to terms with that? It wasn't in the script. 
for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. What did you think happened? How did a real bullet get on that set? I have no idea. Someone put a live bullet in a gun, a bullet that wasn't even supposed to be on the property. How do you respond to actors like George Clooney who say that every time they were handed a gun, they changed? I, just, I have to stop it right there. Do you see what's... They're turning this horrific, tragic event into a spectacle. You know, you hear the music, the piano. Music mixed with words causes an emotional response. CNN and Alec Baldwin, they know what they're doing here. They're trying to get you to feel sorry for him. So, I mean, he was holding a gun, as far as I know. It went off, as far as I know, and it killed somebody. So now he's, he's saying with this dramatic music, I, I didn't pull the trigger. So it, it's like, okay, well then what happened? It's almost like a TV show, except it's real life. It's real freaking life. It, it's this strange world. The news media is tricking everybody. Are they tricking you? Are you buying this? I remember when Kobe Bryant was on trial for raping a woman in Colorado. And about two months into the trial, I remember NBC having the camera on Kobe Bryant after every game as he's walking to the locker room. He hugs his wife, and then his kids jump into his arms, and he gives them a kiss, and he walks into the tunnel and into the locker room. And I noticed while the trial was going on, and even when it was over, and he, he um, I don't think he was convicted. I don't know if there was a settlement, but for at least five, six months, every time he was on television, on NBC, the camera was on him, showing him hug his wife, kiss his wife, hug his kids, and walk to the locker room. Clearly, there was a PR machine going on there to try to get people to change their impression and mind about Kobe Bryant. Because it was going on every Sunday after every game. This isn't meant to be disrespectful to Kobe. I know he was loved here in Los Angeles. But big picture here, there is money and there is a PR machine that is trying to get people to think sympathetically about particular people. And in this case, Alec Baldwin is a part of that machine. And as I said earlier in this episode, the news media doesn't want you to stop being scared of COVID. They are that machine just over and over again, running deaths, Fauci going on television every two days, telling people to be scared, nervous, take precautionary measures. Alec Baldwin with his production and the music and George Stephanopoulos and trying to get you to feel a particular way. They are all wanting you to feel a particular way about um, a certain incident or a quote-unquote health crisis. Are you thinking for yourself? It's crazy what's going on. It's, it's so um, perniciously evil. 
you know, I've, I've made some pretty hyperbolic comparisons comparing Fauci to these, these historically awful authoritarian, uh, tyrannical figures in our history. But I think the way that Fauci uses his words and the way he comes on television and tries to scare people, I think is sheer evil. And then seeing what um, CNN is doing with Alec Baldwin to now try to get you people to get us to uh, feel sympathetic towards Alec, I think it's pretty evil. It's, it's really crazy what's going on. And again, I think this, this world that we live in is all possible because people are not thinking for themselves. And people are addicted to just being entertained by Hulu and Netflix and social media all day long. And then to bring it full circle before I let you go, are you an active participant or are you just consuming? You know, I, I'm taking these master classes and, you know, reading and consuming and trying to be inspired, but it gets to a point where you just have to start doing it yourself. I mean, imagine if Tiger Woods has a master class. I mean, there's only so much that you can consume and learn. You just got to go out and play golf. You know, Stephen King, I read his book about his craft as a writer, and he certainly gave some good suggestions, but you just got to do it yourself. You just got to start writing. You just got to start creating. You just got to start making things. So I'll, I'll leave you with that. You know where to find me on all socials, at Eddie Cohn, or on Instagram at Eddie Cohn and the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I have a few guests lined up uh, over the next few weeks. You know where to find my new record, Dystopian Days, on Spotify, iTunes, or you can head over to eddiecohn.bandcamp.com. Website is iameddiecohn.com. And that is it. If you want to support the show, you can write a review on iTunes. That's really helpful. Please share it with your friends. Maybe head over to patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. As always, thank you to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. <laughs>